discuss this week, beginning with a new product launch from Apple. Apple's Beats, ready. A new uh, product launch from Apple. And Apple's Apple's, uh, Apple's Beats uh, cover. Is that even? Are we new... talking about Apple? <laughs> is that what this podcast is? Not even a new uh, new new product, but new colors. So new colors. Yeah, Studio Buds, Beats Studio Buds. There is there's a bit of news here, I guess, which is that that uh, Beats has, has said. I guess they, they told us that Beats Studio Buds are their fastest selling Beats to date. So. It's interesting. What I, what I think I took, that is pretty interesting. What I, what I took from that was, you know, oh, if you if you, you know, make wireless earbuds that are like a little bit more advanced than AirPods in terms of like the design, like like what you think the next AirPods will be like, then they'll they'll sell pretty well. Exactly right. Like we spoke about this when the Studio Buds came out. They they're like a precursor. They're like a preview of AirPods Pro second generation. Yeah. And the AirPods Pro are aging. You know, twenty nineteen. They're almost three years old. Uh, the AirPods base model update was kind of average or not, you know, nothing wrong with it, but nothing to like really spark sales. And in fact, there's a other reporting this week from Minchi Quine people that the AirPods 3 are underperforming in terms of sales and the production lines are being stopped and stuff like that. Like, but then you look at Studio Buds and they've got all the, all the mod cons. They added that software update that gave them all the iCloud syncing features recently. They do noise cancellation. They do auto pause on the ears when you take one out. You know, they're really small. They're just tiny little buds. They don't have the big stems on them. Uh, the only downside is they got like beats, beats icons on, on each bud, which I'd prefer not to have. But Maybe for, I don't care what, I don't, either way. But, um, for, for me, the problem with, with these was that I lost them. I, ha- I had a pair that I paid for and I lost them. Um, they were good at you while you had them though, right? <laughs> I really liked them. I eventually gave up and just got rid of the, the charging case because I had the charging case. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I knew where I lost them. It was in a, in a coffee shop, but uh, in the parking lot. So, I, yeah. It's long gone, but um, but I I quite liked them. You know what I liked about them, you know, namely was that they they, they were they came in black. Um, but then also, you know, like we were describing the the kind of the what what you expect for the next AirPods uh, Pro to be like. Uh, yeah, the, the but what what they did this week was they had three new colors, um, like a gray color, uh, a blue and red color, and then I think a pink color. And they did something weird, which is they they sell blue at Best Buy, gray at Amazon, and pink at Target. um, well at least at least they do sell multiple colors because that's another thing the airpods line hasn't learned how to do yet yeah airpods max when ming shi had he's so casual now on on twitter he just just tweets out things and he i don't know if there's ever going to be another juicy report from quo i don't know maybe there'll be but he says there'll be but anyway um he he says that says that apple's you know like I, i think a little bit confused about the demand for airpods 3 not being quite what they expected and um, you know, part of the problem there is that AirPods 2 are still sold, you know, for a lower price. And so, you know, features pretty similar there. So what's the big difference in, in the price? And, um, you know, so so I think the, the, the presumption there is that they'll get rid of the second generation versions pretty soon when they introduce the new AirPods Pro around that time. And, and they'll just have the AirPods 3 or new AirPods Pro. Um, but of course, you know, if you ever want to bump sales up just make a color <laughs> yeah make black even if you don't want to get into colors you know but, but i mean if they'd have made black airpods throughout i've already bought them like <laughs> it's stupid but it's true of the my airpods 2 are fine but the battery's starting to degrade a bit like they don't last quite as long as they used to um i do kind of want like head tracking spatial audio op- as an option and the airpods 2 doesn't support that that's only on airpods 3 i, I have been put off slightly by the fact that they did change the form factor of them. So, you know, the, the different shape in the ear and some people have had trouble with how they fit compared to the old one. So that was a that was a, a factor on the on the concept. So I was like, do I really want to buy these just to find out they don't work in my ears very well and then I've got to 
figure out return or you know do you return buds that you've won? I don't like all that mess is a, is a, was a concern, but that that would all be overrode by oh it comes in a fancy nice black color. <laughs> I'd be buying them immediately. Like AirPods three, I love I love AirPods, and I when my AirPods two die, I'll happily buy whatever's available, whether that's you know the pros if they're like good and I can overcome because I I generally do prefer the like the standard earbud shape rather than the in ear stuff, but. Unfortunately, like the coolest features keep getting put on the on the pro line, which are the in ear style and the Beach Studio buds are very compelling in that in that form factor. And if you know Apple came out with a version of that, I'd be I'd be swayed for sure. I think about it. But even if I just I'd be happy with AirPods third gen as well. Presuming they still fit my ears, but I'm not rushing out to buy one like as soon as they came out when they announced them, or even right now. Like my AirPods, and I assume I'm the, the standard customer here. People carry on with AirPods two. When the AirPods 2 die, they buy AirPods 3. So it is interesting that Quo at least seems to believe that Apple was surprised or, or misjudged the demand curve for, you know, the third generation models and like the AirPods 3 production lines are, are not doing anything. <laughs> like he even tweeted there was like a weekend where uh, the AirPods 2 line was like working overtime and the AirPods 3 production line, all the employees had the weekend off because they had nothing to do, which is <laughs> at, at the factory, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, if if you in the UK, if you were uh, to, to yeah, if Apple had you know black AirPods or they they, they differentiated by retailer, what are the retailers that you think they'd use? I, I know is it Dixon? Is that where uh, John Barrett came from before he ruined Apple? that? That is uh, where he came from, but okay. Dixon's is long gone. Oh. Dixon's is oh. long been cancelled. Now the new Dixon's was bought by PC World, and the PC World uh, merged with Curry's. So now we have shops called Curry's line pc world you know like that that line character that you get yeah. on the keyboard the yeah. straight line the company that like these shops literally branded curry's line pc world yeah. so that is that is the heritage of john brower at, at some of some degree uh where apple usually like the best buy equivalent is probably something more like john lewis that's kind of i think even john lewis may be a bit posher than what best buy represents in america but that's that tends to be apple's like go-to higher end partner and then like targets probably like the curry's of pc world of the, of of equivalent although i think target's just like a general supermarket kind of thing in america like it's not like computer specific right whereas curry's and pc world is more like electronics like it's called pc world but they sell like just anything that has a battery in it right like like beats and stuff so uh, that's probably where they would they would they would they would align is it, is it permanently that each of these colors is exclusive each retailer they didn't announce like it's only exclusive for a month wherever they just said that's where they'll be available which is kind of it's as permanent as anything else in life yes yeah i'm sure they'll appear everywhere else eventually but (laughs) uh also this week uh there's a little i don't know the apple studio display made the news again just the firmware update it's it's news about the firmware update right yeah it is (laughs) yeah apple apple uh so so you know just zoom way out the the apple studio display has the you know runs runs iOS basically and and the and the chip the A13 chip inside and um, Apple released iOS 15.4.1 for everything every iOS device you know uh, a few few days ago last week or so a couple weeks ago I don't know and once that was out they stopped signing 15.4 not dot one because they had fixes for the dot four for point four and so. You could, if you were to update to iOS, you know, 15, you could only get 15.4.1, not 15.4. Um, except they didn't make a version of 15.4.1 for the Cedar display. And it meant that if you were updating your display from, I guess, the shipping firmware software to the latest release. You yeah, could, like the firmware that came with it out of the box was yeah. different to the like the, the launch day firmware yeah. version. Yeah. yeah. 
basically you couldn't because <laughs> <laughs> Apple could stop signing that. And, and they, they seem to be like a, you know, um, uh, I guess part of the routine. They, they just didn't plan for, you know, didn't consider the, this new d- detail, which is that their display now runs iOS. And if they, yeah, who, whoever decides <laughs> the, uh, the, the the process for deprecating old builds and stopping signing them have forgotten that they now have another accessory in their portfolio that actually still needs to uh, be supported. Yeah, so so you, you just, there was no you couldn't do it. Uh, I, I I have to think that eventually this thing just ends up on the same train. Like sure, surely for the fourteen point fifteen point four point one release, that not everything is addressed. Every device is addressed, but they have a version for everything. And so even if there isn't a version for the display, obviously like they're, they're going to have a sure they, they target the display in all future versions. It's just that because it's the release. Um, maybe not. Maybe the other way they'll handle this is like whatever their internal processes are for cutting off version numbers, they'll just have an exception for the train that is the studio display OS. Right. And so that could live happily on 15.4 as it is right now. Whereas like they didn't to, to fix this problem, to fix this bug, they didn't allow signing on iOS 15.4 on iOS devices. They just, you know, made an exception for the studio display stuff. So they could carry on doing that. Like I, I've heard a few people say, oh, concerned about like future software updates and, you know, eventually the studio display will go quote obsolete because it won't be able to support the version of iOS anymore. It's like, well, for a start, most displays get no software updates at all. So if you're going to stop getting software updates, does it really make a difference compared to any other display that's out there? Um, and it's not going to stop working. It's at the, even if you lose all of the smart functionality like um, center stage and, the incredibly high quality web camera, it's still going to work as a USB C display, regardless. Like they would have to screw something up royally for them to release firmware that doesn't work like that. Uh, so at some point, the studio display, like I, I treat iOS in running the studio display, it's just an implementation detail. I don't really know why they even announced it. Like they made it like a point in the in the presentation to mention it runs a version of iOS. It runs as the A13 chip inside. And it's like. Well, it doesn't actually really give you anything as a front-facing user. I guess back in the day, they would do the same thing about like the T2 chip or the T1 chip in old Macs, and they would run versions of iOS 2, and you never thought twice about what version iOS version they were running, really. It was just an implementation detail. And so that's how I kind of see the Studio Display chip. Like, yeah, technically, it is running a build of iOS, but in six months' time, it could be running something completely different, and it would make no difference to the customer at all. Kind of like how the HomePod... Uh, was on the ios train then they then they branched it over to the apple tv os train right and from the outside you saw basically no difference but it just it just that's just an internal implementation detail of how they're updating these things yeah you know what i think is kind of weird to me that seems not so polished about the display that it's a very minor thing but when you when you first power it on even if nothing's attached you know display lights up has like these three dots that sort of animate back and forth and it's like the it's booting up, you know, animation. Does it not show an Apple logo when it's booting at all? Like nope. an iPhone would? Nope. That, that's oh. the weird thing. Is this, instead of an Apple logo, it's the three dots like animating in, in a weird pattern, just like dot, dot, dot. And that is kind of weird because like Apple doesn't reuse the three dot animation anywhere. Like No, exactly. Anywhere and, and else. If, if it isn't connected to anything, it just turns basically back off. You know, I guess it's listening for a connection, but um, the display at least turns off. And you, th- you think they'd match like the loading screen of an iOS device with the li- or the, even a Mac where you have the Apple logo and you have the little, mm-hmm. bar, you know, progress bar that runs across left to right. Yep, yep. That, that's- Instead, they're like, let's make some three dots. <laughs> yeah. If that changes, then I think, oh, that, that's a little bit of polish they've added to this thing. But 
Maybe, maybe they were inspired by the um, the after party episode where they made the song about the three dots. <laughs> <laughs> I watched I watched the new Sonic movie. No spoilers over the weekend. Oh yeah, with my, with my kid and uh, the Idris Elba's character uh, Knuckles is just not very smart. <laughs> and he's read. They're like they're like looking into Sonic's text messages remotely. And he's there's like a typing indicator, and Knuckles is like reading it as if as if it's like being written as dot 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 dot. Uh, that's funny and and you know sonic is voiced by the the actor yeah, from the after party yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that the first I, I made the connection recently and it kind of ruined a lot it didn't ruin it for me but it just all of a sudden sonic wasn't this anonymous little voice thing <laughs> it's a person <laughs> yeah well that, that went places um also display letter this week steve trout and smith had a fun tweet which was um he, he said uh this is about unreleased um Mac Mac rumors or you know rumors about Macs. Um, he says the rumor mill is a little unclear as to what new Macs are imminent. For what it's worth, there is one concrete clue: the shipping studio display firmware references one unaccounted for mystery machine, a new model of Mac Mini, and uh, it's references Mac Mini ten comma one. And he says, my guess is that it's M two, not an M one Pro Mac Mini. But then he had an update that ah. said he might. He thinks it's M one Pro and M one Max. Ooh. Can't keep up. I know. Like, hmm. uh, there's a big difference between an M1 Pro chip and M1 Max on an M2 chip, right? In, in terms of, uh, so I don't know where he got that little uh, bit of information from. The the more recent one, if you, if you're thinking about it in terms of replacing the higher end Space Gray Intel Mac Minis, then I guess that falls in line. Although, man, <laughs> you get into some some visual overlap at least with the Mac Studio, as in his Mac Studio Mini. If you're looking at those. Some of the chips there. Yeah, two two parts to this. One, unreleased leaks always happen through random new Apple accessories that run OS versions because they yeah. just like the process for stopping the old builds from signing, they just forget that, oh yeah, we actually have to remove stuff from these lot, versions lot now as well. What's going on? As well as all of our iOS releases. And secondly, the his first tweet made more sense to me because sure, M2 chip for a Mac Mini seems like something they could release at WWDC. I don't at this point in the cycle are they really going to do an M1 Pro and M1 Max version of a Mac Mini as well? Like seems that seems far fetched, and I'm not basing this on any like code finding. It's obviously what Stephen Trout Smith is doing, but they're going to release the M2 some point this year. I I think they're going to announce it at WWC. Practically, it's going to either be June or September, right? Or September October, and so is there really space? Now, even if you're talking about the September timeframe to bring out the M1 Pro and M1 Max Mac Minis, I, maybe that was a plan a while back, and for whatever reason it just got shelved and they didn't do it, and so that's why it's hanging around in the references. And where in the Mac Mini 10.1, it refers to the correctly, like as, as Steve says, the M1 Max and M1 Pro versions, but the M2 Mac Mini will be a completely different version number, and it's just not ready yet and it's not actually in the in the in the firmware at all like what's the point of releasing an m1 max mac mini right now if they were going to do it wouldn't they have done it alongside the mac studio to show like you know we're adding some more options to the to the desktop mac line like when they gonna release it may june like they're, they're, it seems kind of seems kind of crazy to me they'd bother to rev a mac mini this late before the m2s come out maybe component availability but you know having the the chips set aside for the the new thing, the higher end new thing first, and then and then doing this for, we'll, we'll see though. But but M M two Mac Mini is sort of the equivalent of a desktop MacBook Air in terms of if you want to 
same computer without the the laptop part of it. So that, that that's at least a neat, you know, that would be like neatly laid out if they were to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a gap in their lineup because on the desktops, you either have M1 or you go straight to M1 Max and there's no M1 Pro option. So it made sense to me that when they go to M2, they would have an M2 Pro, which I, th- I believe Felipe Esposito has said is, is in development, like an M2 Pro Mac Mini, uh, which is fine. But I was just surprised they were going to plug the whole this late in the M1 cycle. M1 forever. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're definitely going to carry on selling that 999 MacBook Air M1 for a long time. That's going to be like the Apple Watch Series 3, except even in four years' time, that M1 Mac, MacBook Air is still going to be pretty pretty good. So. The new the new Apple Watch is going to run M1. It's... <laughs> and the reason I say that, by the way, is when they release this new cool MacBook Air with the cool colors and stuff, that's going to be M2, and I bet it'll be more expensive, so they'll keep the old, yeah, one, it won't the old be, M1 around. It won't be 999. No, it'll probably be like 1200 or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then and then lastly, in, in um, you know, product news so far, the, this is something that I, I, I saw, you know, we had in, internally, the... Um, Support document for an unreleased charger from Apple, which uh, is you know kind of you know not 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 too exciting, but it's a little bit interesting. It's a thirty-five watt charger that is uh, dual USB C, so to two USB C ports. Which I don't know. In my recollection, is the first time that Apple's done a two in one. Absolutely for USB C, but also just I don't know. For as long as I've yeah, I can't think <laughs> of one. Use like iPods and you know. IPhones. I mean, the closest you get is like the MagSafe is like the uh, MagSafe Duo, which is two wireless charging options. But well, it stems from one brick. Yeah, this in this case is you know I, I don't know uh, thirty five watts. So the, the separation there would be if, if it's basically like two iPhones at the same time. Is it what? What is the that's like USB C? Is it twenty watts now that you're eighteen? Yeah, the iPhone comes with twenty watt charger in the well. It's a, it supports 20 watts. It doesn't come in the box anymore. But that's like the one that they sell on the website if you want like the iPhone charger is 20 watts. Yeah. Which is basically, because even though it's rated at 20 watts, the iPhone doesn't charge, doesn't pull all 20 watts out of it. Sure. So it, you, if you run two iPhones in a 35 watt charger, you're basically getting full speed charging. Uh, or that's the equivalent for like an iPad charger, basically. Yeah. I, I was thinking, depending on the price, but this this could be a um, a better solution then I'm thinking about MagSafe Duo, and you know how MagSafe Duo doesn't support fast charging on the Apple Watch Series Seven, mm-hmm. which is weird because it's like the premium, it's a it's a premium charger from Apple's lineup, and then that's the current watch. And going forward, I mean, it isn't like it's going to work next year because it has to be made to work with it. And um and and so this at least would be from the brick. You wouldn't you'd have the cable in the box with the because that's that's where the the fast charging works is from the the re you know architected cable where most of the bulk of it is in the the charging port side of it, and then you need a twenty watt brick for it to work. Well, this could replace MagSafe Duo sort of as the solution where you you know charge your phone, charge your watch. Both cables come with in the box with the products. You could buy this separately, and then you can do you know it's a better travel charger or just a, a neater um, you know brick and. I don't know, and it, and you can also charge other stuff through it in a pinch. Like it's not just a, a MagSafe charger. You can yeah, you, you could you do a you, you could do a HomePod Mini and an iPhone. Because that do you, isn't that do you go out of your way to buy Apple's chargers? I don't go out of my way for anything, Mayo. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must buy chargers every now and again. Do you buy Apple's or do you just go on Amazon and buy like Anchor or whatever else is on Amazon? Um. 
Because I do the second one. Because I think Apple's charges are mostly overpriced for no reason. So I want a, I want a minimum of at least like for like my family devices. I don't care for my own stuff. I want a minimum of at least having like one twenty watt charger for my phone, one twenty watt charger for the watch. So I'm not like you know separating them based on when I need them and everything. I don't know. But if I'm buying, so let's, so let's say you lost your phone charger, right? Do you buy the Apple one or do you buy something on Amazon from a third party? Yeah, uh, probably. Well, right now, Apple's got a decent charger with the, with the 20-watt one, you know, before... It was yeah, but like, what I'm getting at is for the same price as the 20-watt charger you can buy from Apple, you can already buy, like, a dual, a dual USB-C charger from anyone else <laughs> in the world yeah. and, for the and, same and, price. And in black, yeah. So. Yeah, and in other colors. So I don't think they're going to quite set the world on fire with a 35-watt charger that well, still actually isn't, I mean, even, that, isn't, isn't even official yet. <laughs> that's that's the goal with the chargers, that you do not set the world on fire. That is, that is, that is a fair point. That is... So. Mo number one. Um, there was a leak of the product, which you're not going to catch me on. They did on this one. I've seen it. That it was not the correct hardware. Yeah, <laughs> we we had the document, the support document, which is just there's no photos inside, and it doesn't even like say this is for the Apple headset. You know, whatever. It's this is the this is the product. You know, thirty five watts. Yeah, the, the end result probably looked very similar to that leak. It's just that that leak wasn't that was like a Belkin charger. It wasn't actually yeah. the Apple one. Yeah, w- which is good because it didn't quite. I don't know. Didn't quite live up to what you might think as a <laughs> it, it, it looked, hadn't quite met the hype cycle of an yeah, apple charger yeah, yeah. Totally. which admittedly isn't isn't high but, it, but it, <laughs> i don't know it was, it was a little bit fisher price compared to what you might think it you know like it could do but anyway we'll see we'll see that, that's one of those things that can never have, maybe maybe we'll never know the mystery of the 35 watt dual USB-C charger but uh you know here we are for now <laughs> a support document has existed it was removed but it did exist and i've seen it Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by NetSuite. The CFOs that gets it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. Today's CFO is critical to the strategy and success of the business. And in growing companies, there are two kinds of CFOs. One who is struggling to keep up. Spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes, too much paperwork, errors, and lack of visibility into the numbers and it can take weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory management, e-commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. Insights coming with the click of a button. Be that other kind of CFO by using NetSuite. Sign up at netsuite.com slash happy hour. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, planning, HR, and budgeting, NetSuite is everything you need to grow your business all in one place. You can automate your processes and close your books in no time at all, staying ahead of your competition. In fact, 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. The rich NetSuite platform helps formulate insights as you grow. You can model what-if scenarios and generate forecasts in a pinch. Over 29,000 businesses already use NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash happy hour for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash happy hour. netsuite.com slash happy hour. Thanks to NetSuite for sponsoring the show. Man, you know how, you know how my top two favorite CFOs are? <laughs> Luca Maestri. Luca Maestri yep. and Peter Oppenheimer. Peter Oppenheimer, that's who I was trying to remember. <laughs> yep. That was why I paused. I was like, yeah, yep. Yep. the classic. Also the only two CFOs I know, yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> thanks, NetSuite. Next up, we've got iOS 16 feature rumor. So I think we spoke last week about how there wasn't much to go on yet. Well, we have a little bit more. 
um, part by way of Mark Herman at Bloomberg, part by way of Felipe Esposito at 9 to 5 Mac. Um, so Mayo, take it away. What, what What's coming in iOS 16 that we know so far? Yeah, so Mark Gurman on his Sunday Power Newsletter said that iOS 16 will bring fairly significant enhancements across the board, including an update to notifications and new health tracking features. Uh, unsurprisingly, it won't bring an end-to-end redesign to iOS, even though it hasn't changed much since iOS 7. But uh, the current iOS design is mostly fine, so it, it doesn't feel as like desperate as when it was iOS 7 and the iOS 6 design was you know, pretty, but also getting quite stale. I feel like the current design is basically still cutting edge. Like the problem when they moved, when they were stuck on iOS 6 and earlier was like the rest of the industry was already moving to a different trend of, you know, simpler, flatter design. And Apple was like the odd one out, despite being the company that's meant to be ahead of the curve. But the current iOS design is basically like as modern as you can get, even if you don't particularly like it. Like there's no pressing need for them to redesign the whole thing. And redesigning a whole OS takes up resources that, if they don't need to do it, they're not going to do it. They did iOS. They did the Mac not too long ago. They're probably in a good shape for that for another while. The big frontier is going to be when they jump into like the augmented reality stuff. Like, what does the OS of the headset look like, for instance? I think it will look more like an Apple Watch, but but we'll see. Anyway, on iOS sixteen, a lot of linen on the on the headset. A lot of linen, leather and linen. Yeah. The other the other comment I would make, and this is no slight against Mark Gurman, but I feel like you could say that for the iOS M plus one. You could say, oh, every year there's going to be fairly significant enhancements to notifications. Because I feel like this is something that comes up again and again and again in so many different forms. But so that's how it stood on Sunday. But what was interesting is that uh, at Nine Five Mac, we also found some code references in actually iOS 15.5 beta that give a little hint about what's to come on the notification side. So what uh, Felipe Esposito found in iOS 15.5 was some strings that say, Using an allowed list for this focus will cause these settings to be lost in your other devices with newer software. A device with newer software has updated this focus to use a new configuration that this device does not support. To continue, update the latest software. Basically indicating that Apple's going to do some significant upgrades to the focus system, which is what they first introduced iOS 15, but for iOS 16 they're going to add a lot more new stuff, and the stuff that's new won't work on your older devices so this is their migration path because when they announce iOS 16 they'll be like and now you can do focus modes that do this this and this and that cool thing but the old devices don't know how to work with that and obviously focus mode syncs across devices so basically what will happen is your old device will pop up saying we don't know how to handle this focus mode please update us or don't use it this is something that we've seen them do before right with like iCloud Drive and when they switched over from notes and stuff well yeah I mean even if it's uh less of a like like those were a big back end upgrade where um it could just be there's there's new triggers in focus and they're present on the new software versions they're not present on the old software versions so if you're not running the newest software everywhere they're not going to work as if you sync them you're going to get alerts you know if you say um you know whatever it is don't give me uh don't let my phone ring if i'm wearing a blue shirt you know and and you need ios 16 for that it's not going to work if you're on ios 15 um so that that's the sort of thing I think about, and also it made me think, you know, we, we do see these annual reports of improvements to notifications somehow. And in previous years, that, that's meant, you know, how they, how they're displayed, how you interact mm-hmm. with them with push and pop and, you know, then long pressing and how, you know, what happens when you swipe them and dismiss them and how they appear and all these things. Um, well, and like last year, they made the the app icons bigger in the banners, and they added that um, contact style where, like, you see the avatars, like the profile pictures in messaging and stuff. And it's it's 
you know, there's at least opportunity now for it to be where that each year, instead of it meaning there's some visual tweak to the interaction model that they've sort of landed on what they like and that what it will mean in the future is they're just going to give you even more control every year on how you can configure them. So, and, and you know, they can, they can also tweak how they look and everything too. But I think the bigger thing is the, the how it works part. And, and by, by bringing focus last year as do not disturb, you know, 2.0, now they can iterate on that each year without having a whole new system and you know, to, to try out and focus is sort of what it's going to be. And they'll just add more configurations of that. Uh, which which is yeah makes sense to me. Do you? This is a good time as any to quit retrospective. I was thinking about it for months now. Have you ever like dived into the focus system and actually used it? Or because I haven't, I'll be honest. Like I just never got around to it. I use focus in the same way as I always used to. You have normal and you have do not disturb, and then I don't use any of the rest of it. Uh, no, but it's it's no fault of the design right now. Um, I right now uh, it's, it's more my headspace. It's just I I just have. It's, like things as simple as possible everywhere <laughs> you know the toggle switch is my alerts and i don't i don't do anything um i don't, I don't trick it out in any kind of a way e- even though in you know previous times i felt like i've you know good and settled and let me configure this to a way that i think makes sense for me um you know even something as simple as automatically enable this focus mode when the watch you know workout app initiates that's, that's a really good one and have a sync between devices and and that's something that in, in previous years when I'm, you know, more bored in my mind and I'm thinking, you know, this would be nice if it could do this. Well, they they do that now, you know, those are the kind of things that um, it's good to be there. And I think, you know, I'll certainly get to a state in the future again, where I'm more settled in my mind and I'm, you know, got some spare time to tinker and, and, and can really do, do things the way that, um, you know, I've just got more time to think about, Hey, I wish it worked this way. Oh, it can work that way. But, but for now, no, I, I, I just have it as simple as possible, which is, do not disturb, you know, on or off. And I think that's prototypical of most people, to be honest. I don't know how successful the focus stuff has been for, in general. Like, I know nobody that I know, like my friends and stuff, they don't use. For, fortunately, it's not a subscription service. Yeah. Fortunately, to yeah, be like, successful, it's just got to be there. Not. I guess, I mean, there's lots of stuff in iOS that is niche and only used by a few people. But I think something like notifications is, the problem with the focus system, or like the, at least the challenge, is that it's so like in your face in terms of how you interact with notifications in general and like if you if you dive in and you fully set up different focus modes for your different work contexts and use it, it the system's probably fine but i think most people don't and therefore apple still has to consider designs and accommodating the reality of the situation most people just don't use anything apart from doing the disturb well another th- another thing is that we, we did have do not disturb but then we had um like do not disturb while driving and then mm-hmm. there's obviously uh like like the, the do not disturb that was sort of enabled when you were doing sleep tracking you know, as the yeah. mode so they did take like existing use cases that were not under the same umbrella and they they brought them all under focus and then you can be creative and make your own like you know movie time or or you know leisure um of course you and I we, we work from home which isn't as rare as it was before but I can imagine, you know, if you go back and forth and you have a routine, you know, where you, where you go to a place and you have work hours and these things and, you know, you can configure the configure modes that way as well. But, um, but that, so that, that's a big part of why I don't use it. But, but even like I, I didn't use it at the start while driving before I've satisfied with CarPlay. Um, I kind of don't like the, I'm not, I'm not settled enough to use you know, this, the sleep focus. Uh, it turns on a lot. Like I haven't just totally ripped it out. 
But I, I oftentimes, you know, I'll find, well, I'm using it, my phone in the middle of the night and let me just use it and turn off, you know, if, I, if I'm having a message, let me turn it off and, and get the alerts and, you know, yeah. Do you use that notification summary thing they added last year where like every few hours it batches up all the notifications you've got on and puts them in a little thing? Mm-mm, no, but, but, I've, but I'm also, I, in, in that regard though, I, I'm not a casual user where I think the casual user would have alerts from like, I don't know, all the, all the different apps, you know, you have, you have alerts from Facebook and Instagram and Messenger and Snapchat and your different news apps and sports apps and all these different things. Uh, all, all the apps that send you push notifications. And I'm more in the camp of, I'm, I'm not going to miss out on something from any of those things. Just don't ever give me an alert. No, no permission to give me an alert. And so there'd be nothing to summarize. And when I did use it, when it was just a new feature to try to, you know, test out, I was actively looking at the summary between the windows. You know, you can say, give it to me 15 times a day. I think it's more designed to be like, you know, two to three times a day. And I would find myself looking at the summary in between those windows because I was actively, you know, it was things that I was, I was actively using. And it's just, so you might as well just have the, the notification banner show up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it is one of those things where like for normal people, like if I were setting it up for family or something, I'd, you know, Hey, check this out. You know, you don't get bombard, bombarded all day long. You can get this one nice summary you look at. And, and it, it, it's one of those features that is, I think is a good thing that needs to exist. I just don't, you know, right now I don't use it. Yeah, notifications in general, and this is probably why there's always a rumor about big updates coming every single year, because it never feels quite fully satisfactory. But I never quite have like a clear direction on where I think they should go with it either, because obviously more recently, in recent years, they've gone for the approach of just shove as many different controls and subcategories and options and toggles as possible uh, to give people some fine-grained control. But the issue with that is that most people don't use any of it. So you still end up with the same problem where people would get like notification overload or they're just getting distracted too much. And they like, you need something that can almost like be automatic, but the automatic systems are then never smart enough to actually do what you want either. So you're just kind of left in this no man's land of, I don't know really what to do. Like one thing I would like to see, and this isn't related to like, anything in terms of filtering but i would like it if notification if my list of notifications on my iphone my watch and my mac were synchronized and the same and what, so what, wasn't like back in the mac os maverick days like there was a it, it, you know if you had an alert on your phone your mac would get it and if you address it in one place like wasn't there a promise of that i feel like- I, I believe that was shown by craig federighi at wwc and it never shipped yeah i lose sleep over that like oh but <laughs> It, it, it seems like that. It was basically, like, you know, like mirror alerts to the Apple Watch. Yeah. It, it was it was promoted as that, but mirror alerts to the Mac. Sure. Yeah. And so it was, like it con- just never came out. <laughs> yeah. It probably didn't work very well. Yeah. Like I mean, if but nowadays they can do like universal clipboard and um, what's the new one called? Universal control, like all that jazz. You think they'd be able to get notification mirroring working across devices? Because even the app, like I've said this before, like the Apple Watch. It mirrors notifications from your iPhone, but then it also has its own set of notifications that don't show on the iPhone. The Mac obviously has loads of Mac apps that don't show on the iPhone and vice we, versa. We want like, iCloud for notifications and that. Yeah, I'd love <laughs> to see a unified list of notifications. And if, if you click on an app that isn't installed on your device, whatever, just, just, it, I don't really care. Like, yeah. I just want to see it there and I can clear. And if I clear it out in one place, it clears out everywhere. Yeah. You ask Siri on your, on your HomePod, you know, what, what are my alerts? And it, pulls them from everywhere yeah I'd, I'd love it even if on the apple tv i could just see notifications and stuff like 
I'd love it if I, you know, it's obviously it'd be optional, but if you're on the Apple TV home screen and my phone gets a, a text message, why can't I see the text message on the screen? Like, why do I then have to go and get my phone to look at it or look at my watch? Like, all that stuff I feel like should be way more integrated. And if it was a single list synchronized across devices, it then means I could be more likely to keep on top of everything because I could close it on one device, dismiss it on one device, and it would automatically stay everywhere. What you get, you kind of get this experience if, like, you're using the messages because if you like dismiss a message notification it also dismisses elsewhere if you mark them as red then they go away on other devices like that experience but for every single application and every single type of notification would be really cool uh, that's obviously something that's bigger than just an ios 16 feature that's like a platform-wide feature but that's definitely something where i feel like they could make an inroad into making notifications more manageable uh, elsewhere mark also said that to expect Big a big update to iPadOS multitasking. Specifically, he said there's going to be a new multitasking switcher, and this obviously follows on from iPadOS 15, where they had a big update to how multitasking is like the the kind of metaphors of multitasking on an iPad because they added the dock and they had those three little dot buttons which revealed the different snapping options. And I think what you can summarize iPadOS 15 as is it took all the random capabilities that they launched in previous years of iPadOS for multitasking and just made them, just clarified them in the UI. So it was like, look, we don't need you to do spider web multi-finger gestures. Just click this button here and make it snap to the left-hand side. I'll click this button here and it can pop out in a pop-over. I'll click this button here and it just shows us a window in the middle. And I think those updates were good. Those updates were good. They're great. Yeah, they they they, they were like 1.0 for me. They, they, they took what was like half-baked and they finished baking it. Yeah, that. it's like taking where the iPad should have been in like iOS... 12 or iOS 11 when they first added uh, multi, um, multi-app windowing and stuff or, or drag and drop. And actually, the, like what they did on iOS 15 is what they should have had since iOS 11 or iOS 13, depending on how terrible you want to be. But that's not enough. Like That's a great start. It's really good. But they, there's so much further they can go. And you have people on one side of the spectrum asking for just like a full Mac experience or like a desktop windowing experience. I don't know if I'd go that far, but... Like I don't think it's un- or unexpected that just because they did a big iPadOS update last year, it doesn't mean that they're not due for more. Because I think they're due for way more on all on all axes of iPadOS. And so, if they are going to follow up on last year's changes with even more changes that make the experience even better, I'm I'm all for that. I think that's great. And what I hated, well, or what I've disliked with iPadOS is they do like you end up waiting like three years generally between an update for something to get re-changed or re-improved again. So if they're going to deliver another big update to multitasking just one year after the previous one, uh, I think that's that's a really good sign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also in this report, Mark mentioned some like tidbits. Basically, he expects to see two new Macs WWC, although he couldn't tell you which models. So, All right. <laughs> I have a guess. <laughs> I think they're going to show the Mac Pro. Why would they have teased it at the March event if they weren't going to unveil it more at the June event, are they really going to like? Because everyone, they 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 didn't have to do a sneak peek, and by a sneak peek, I mean like a sneak mention at the end of the March event. They could have said nothing at all. They could have then told press that we're still working on a Mac Pro. Don't worry, the Mac Studio isn't the isn't the new Mac Pro. Right? If they wanted to set expectations, but there was no need for them to mention it in the in the event at all, unless it must be at least tantalizingly close them to show off and boast about and so what i think is going to happen and this is just purely off my own head not 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 based on any sourcing of any kind i think at wwc they're going to introduce the m2 generation and what they're going to show off is the m2 macbook air or an m2 macbook pro so like the 13 inch you know boring one um and 
the M2 Extreme Mac Pro. So they'll have like both ends of the spectrum at least announced. Presumably the Mac Pro won't ship in June. It'll probably come later in the year, but they can ship the MacBook Air or MacBook Pro thing. That's my guess at this point. Okay. Bold, Which would be cool. And then in person, they can do some demos of it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we won't we won't relitigate that one this week, but uh, mm, nice. Happy Hour This Week is also sponsored by Trade Coffee. So here's the deal: Trade Coffee sends you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best best craft roasters. And by taking a quick quiz, you'll get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you. So Zach, I know that you've been trying out some Trade Coffee stuff, right? Yeah, I have. And it begins with the quiz, which is really great at narrowing down what you want because you probably know what you like, even if when asked, you're not so sure. And so, you know, just a few steps, you know, a few, few questions to answer. For me, I, I like refillable pods when I make coffee. Um, I'm not actually new to all of this, but I like to say that I am because I don't want to fit around with stuff. So I, I say in the quiz, I'm new to everything. I want this to be approachable and easy to love. Um, I, then I say I like to have a, a mix of creamer and milk in my coffee prefer a medium roast, classic and traditional. Um, I want grounded coffee, not not beans. And then I like regular, not decaf. And I don't really care for a premium coffee. I'm, I'm fine with sort of a, a select coffee that, that's good, but not the best. Um, and those simple questions give me the coffee that that uh, Trade Coffee knows is right for me, which the most recent one I've had is, is by Alma Coffee. The specific one is called Passion, and it comes from Canton, Georgia. And it's a medium roast, which is right for me. And it's described as the, the flavor is rich cacao, sweet caramel, and brown sugar. And it originates from Honduras. So all of those things that meet my needs come by way of the quiz, which is very useful. They know the right questions to ask. And that's sort of the where the, where the magic of Trade Coffee begins. Trade delivers a bag of freshly roasted coffee as whole beans or ground, however you choose to brew it at home. And they are so confident that they'll match you right first time that they offer the Trade First Match Guarantee. That means if you don't love what they suggested when you bought it first time, they'll take your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. To date, Trade has delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee with more than 750,000 positive reviews. So right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order, plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash happy hour. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash happy hour and let Trade find you a coffee that you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash happy hour for $30 off. Thanks to Trade Coffee for sponsoring the show. Hey, so some very light Mac hardware rumors there. Now we have some more interesting Apple Watch hardware rumors, um, both for maybe as soon as this year and then maybe a couple of years from now. One thing that occurs to me here is that when we talk about 2024 as a possible like release date for a sensor and an unreleased Apple Watch, that, that's only a couple of years from now. It's not like the way that it used to feel, which was you know in, in six or eight years time. So uh, what are the new sensors rumored for the uh, upcoming Apple Watches over the next couple of years? Yeah, so Apple Watch Series 8 is the one we're expecting to see later this year. We're going to have the standard Series 8. We're going to have a Series 8 like rugged edition, explorer edition, extreme edition for hiking and sports, and it'll be like more plasticky or rugged in some way. And there is also expected to be a new Apple Watch SE to uh, give a spec bump to that model. And fingers crossed, the Series 3 will get discontinued finally. And either the new uh, SE will be able to take the 199 price point or the old SE will go down to that price, something like that. 
but in terms of sensors for the Series 8, like the interesting model, it seems like Mark's back on the train of thinking that the temperature sensor is back on track for this year. He originally said that they were exploring a temperature sensor for last year and then it got delayed. And then at one point it seemed like maybe it wouldn't show up until 2023. But in that same uh, newsletter or, or in a report from this week from, from Mark Gurman at Bloomberg, he basically indicates that the temperature sensor is coming as soon as this year, which is his you know code for Series 8, which is cool. I, he doesn't necessarily say that the temperature sensor will give you like precise readings in terms of like Celsius or Fahrenheit, like actual numbers. It might be more um, increase, decrease over. Yeah, like qualitative. Like your t- your temperature is higher than average or below average. Uh, kind of like what they do with. Well, I guess I guess with the ECG, you can get like the your your well, actual, kind of what they do is like, sleep. <laughs> yeah, kind of like what they do is sleep, or more like the. Um, what I was trying to think of is the heart rate notifications, right? Where it's like elevated heart rate or super low heart rate, like those kind of alerts. So you'd be sitting there and then it, the, the watch would notice that your temperature is really high. And it's like, you know, maybe you should consult a doctor because your temperature is high right now and you're not doing anything, for instance. They'll, they'll continue then, the trend of this won't replace your thermometer if you need to know if you have a fever or not, but it will give you readings where you otherwise wouldn't have because it's, they're, they're passive, you know, being taken. You can have active alerts that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, and similarly, the for the blood pressure sensor, which is the thing expected to come in 2024, that also wouldn't show the actual like systolic readings, but it would show you how your blood pressure is trending over time, whether it's super elevated or those super low. Uh, the blood pressure thing has been uh, like on and off development for a while. Goman says that accuracy has been the main challenge during testing to actually get it out the door, uh, but because they're not looking to give specific blood pressure readings, the kind of barrier to accuracy is is lower in terms of being able to ship. But it would allow a customer to, to for instance, uh, alert, be alerted if they have like hypertension and then recommend talking with their doctor. So very similar to like the ECG uh, atrial fibrillation alert kind of kind of situation. Yeah. The, so the competing thing from Samsung two or three years ago was you <laughs> you take and this is not Apple like, but you take. Uh, a blood pressure reading outside of the where you know the watch and then you plug it in and then that's like the the starting point and then so like you go to an actual doctor get a blood pressure reading type that in your little app and then that's like the baseline measurement that the watch can like tell you if it's gone up or down yeah from, kind of yeah. yeah and that it can't see apple releasing that but for samsung you know it got them to be first and in this case you know, it sounds like it'll, it's just not going to have, the watch won't replace all these different things, but it will be more useful than not having anything at all, seems like. Yeah. And I think it's kind of due because we've been a long time since Apple really added a new sensor to the watch of any meaningful capacity. I feel like temperature sensor is a pretty good one. Um, like if you, because what's the temperature sensor linked to? It's linked to when you have like a fever or something. So, I mean, a lot of people worried about their temperature with, with the COVID stuff and, even outside of COVID, though, just a general illness generally causes you to get a, a high temperature. So having that as a reading inside of the Apple Watch that can then be synthesized with your heart rate information and, and similar metrics. Most recent I think being the blood addition. oxygen sensor and temperature seems a little bit more... And blood oxygen was, what, Series 6? Six. Six? Six. Yeah. So I guess that wasn't ages ago, but probably, I just forget about the blood oxygen thing because it's, like, kind of irrelevant. Like, I don't know, like... I mean, it's not relevant, but it doesn't feel... Like, I feel like the heart rate one is a pretty big deal. The ECG one is a pretty big deal. Blood oxygen, not quite as significant. But I feel like temperature is more... Is it's more, relevant uh, when you need it. Yeah, it's more to the fore, yeah. And then on the software side, 
Uh, Mark has a few different things for WatchOS 9. Firstly, what's interesting is that there's going to be like a, a low power mode. So obviously right now the Apple Watch, uh, sorry, the, the Apple Watch has power reserve, which is like it it turns off all of the smarts of the watch and you go into this like semi like firmware OS where all you can do is click a button to see the analog time with this like green font and it's just it's green because the screen's oled and green's the lowest battery life consumption for us for an oled screen and so you just have all you have is the out of the digital time on a black watch face that's it and you have to like reboot the watch and make it fully turn on again if you actually want to do anything else well similar to like the low power mode you get on the ipad or sorry on the iphone on the mac um there's goman says they're going to do a low power mode for the apple watch which isn't like this completely separate siloed system of power reserve, but is like a low power state for the watch, which will get you longer battery life, but you'll still be able to do more functionality, like use apps, use certain features. There isn't detail on like what would be turned off or what would be available, but it definitely sounds like it'd be a lot more fully featured. You, than you can imagine the power like, system. like always on display doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it, it turns off and it becomes, you know, tap the screen or, or raise to see the screen. Like that'd be a big one. Um, brightness you know there's a, there's a lot of things you could do there but but the biggest one and they already have like if you're in the workout app you can go into like the lower power workout mode by turning off the continuous heart rate monitoring so you can imagine that maybe if they have like a system-wide low power mode it just turns off some of the toggles that are already in the system or just in one go rather than you have to like fiddle with each individual setting which is which is good because most people don't even know that there's a, there's a way to do a low power workout, even if it's there. But if it's just a button in control center, you can just say, look, I just want to prioritize my battery life right now. I still want to use my watch, but a few different things, you can turn these knobs and turn it off in one go just by clicking this button in control yeah. center. So it's a nice addition. Practical for me, is, the main thing is just like if you get the alert that you've got 20% or less battery, then right now you have to go and dig into the settings to turn off always on display and then turn it back on when you charge back up. But it would be nice that that you get the alert, always on, turns off optionally. If you if you enter low power mode, you charge back up to eighty percent, it turns back on. You know that kind of thing. So you're not having to manage it because it's not even a control center toggle, which is you know somewhere else they could put it. But it would really just be for power management, not not really for anything but that for me. And so having it tied to low power mode is even smoother if that's what they do. Yeah, and then also, Gomez interesting says that Apple's going to have a little focus on the watch faces, and they're going to do a significant watch face refresh to many of their built-in faces. So this is like including the older faces, right? So Apple's added a few new watch faces every single year for a while. And then when the new hardware form factor comes out, they make some attempt at making the designs fit the faces, like utility, they curve the complications. But realistically, the newer watch faces are what most people now are attracted by because they take advantage of all the features of the newer watches and especially the fact that the watches are just more powerful from a CPU perspective because all of the newer watch faces, they're more capable, they can have more complications on the screen, they can have more detailed and rich complications on the screen. Uh, And then all the older faces that kind of existed since like WatchOS 1, WatchOS 2... They they fill the screen space, but they they don't have the feature set of the newer faces. They don't feel like they're really like a modern smartwatch face. Like you pick those faces if you want something very simple, but if you want something that's like feature rich, but you like those designs, well, you know Apple doesn't offer third party watch face store, so you're kind of out of luck at the moment. You're you're left in a lurch. So I think it'd be great if they can go back through you know their entire library of what like two dozen faces they have now for the Apple Watch and just modernize them all, 
give them all more complications all of like the full screen watch faces if they could uh, let you put complications on them because now the newer watches are powerful enough that they can composite element ui elements on top of your other ui elements which they couldn't do in the first couple of generations of the apple watch simply because it was too weak and underpowered but now we have pretty powerful watches on our wrist so updating the entire suite of built-in faces to make them more capable seems like a pretty good a pretty good uh, time investment from the engineering team i agree something that we've talked about before too is that mm-hmm. you, know, you clearly have a set of watch faces that are this is series this is you know first generation to series three this now this is series four to series six and then we have series seven and you know, here, here's three or four that you know only fit on this one and um eventually you've got to look back and say oh well yeah. <laughs> why do we have all these adapted faces let's just but you you wouldn't have designed them that way if you were doing it from this current design onward. So it's good to to hopefully this pans out as, as what we think it is, where they look at all the especially the older faces like like utility, for example. Um, you know that's a watch face where it's different enough from California that you could have the corner the four corner complications and not just the two basic circle ones on the top yeah. right and left, and then the smiley face adaptation of the straight line bottom one. You know, there's a lot of good they can do there. Yeah, they can always do like anytime they're adding more watch faces, more customization, more flexibility on that. It's a good, it's a big thumbs up because they show like the whole thing, especially when the Apple Watch was brand new. Tim Cook loved the line where it's like, and you can customize the Apple Watch to your personal style and taste. But he was mostly referring to the style of the watch itself, like aluminium or steel or gold, even on and like the watch bands, right? Um, and the the watch faces offered some flexibility, but it's not even like there's there's more combinations of watch band that you can buy from the Apple Store than there are watch faces you can choose from, and that's always been a dichotomy that I feel has been like a, a miss for them. And I would love them to offer third page a third party watch face store, but there doesn't seem to be much demand at the moment for them to do it. Like it from in, inside Apple for them to do it, or whoever leads the design team doesn't want the front of the watch face besmirched by a third party doing it even though in some cases i'm sure they do a better job than apple's own teams but in 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 the in despite of the lack of third party store they've also not really serviced and maintained and given new faces of the ones that they offer themselves to the degree that i think they should so any improvement in that area is is very welcome uh, elsewhere german also says that there's going to be a pill reminder tracking app he actually first said that this was in development back in 2019 so we were expecting it alongside you know that generation of of ios but it never transpired uh, at the time he said it was called the dose app but maybe it will come back this year there's going to be updates to women's health tracking um which is nice and there's going to be major updates to sleep tracking which is something that is sorely required because the system sleep tracking in the apple watch is pretty rubbish and like anytime a third-party apple watch app can offer a better experience than what apple's doing you know there's something wrong and sleep tracking definitely falls in that category i don't know if you have anything else to add on Apple Watch OS 9 kind of expectations or wishes at the time being. Curious about pills and what kind of integration there is, is there. Uh, if it's, it's got to be something more than just like a basic. It's got to be something that's sort of auto- automatic about it because they've got really good integration with, um, you know, health records and that kind of thing. So, so they could have something that, that's more than just, you know, put the reminders app. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, in terms of like refilling and things like that. Um, so, so there's that, um, women's health, you know, in the years past, we've seen, um, the, the cycles app, you know, and new entries in, uh, reproductive health and in, in the health app on the iPhone vague at this point as to what that means so far, you know, for this year, but we'll see. And then, you know, like you said, sleep tracking, there's nothing but room to grow there. 
Yeah, and German also says, unsurprisingly, there's going to be new workout types because they always add a few of them every single year. And also maybe of the additional workouts that there are, there'll be ways to show more metrics inside the workout app when you're doing a workout, um, which is cool because right now they have like those two styles. They have like the compact style and then the multi-metric style. Um, but again, that feels like something that if you really want to dig into the details, maybe they could offer multiple pages. You could like swap between them, see different information at the same time or something like that. Because some of these some of these apps, like I think the workout app's a really nice app, but it definitely feels like it got kind of like stagnated around the Apple Watch or like WatchOS 5. And now it's been several years since it's really been given a lot of attention. So if if they can take a year to go through everything and just modernize it a bit, add a new capabilities here and there, that'd be, that'd be cool. Yeah. One thing we also see in, in the WatchOS side of things is we, you know, like, like we saw always on display with Series 5. And then it wasn't until last year where it was more than like the workout app and then watch yeah. faces that took advantage of that by just, you know, allowing any app to be always on, you know, and, and not just go back to the watch face when you dismissed your, when, when, when it's you know, not active. Um, that, that same thing, but for app design, you know, having not just let's play a trick on the tech size to show more text, but let's also allow you to have just more like panels and inf- information and in, in the bigger screen size. Um, like how they added the keyboard, right? Rather than having yeah. to always rely on scribble typing. Yeah, yeah, man, that keyboard. I've got the forty-five millimeter watch, and I'm I, that. That's a true love-hate relationship for me because I, <laughs> when it when I can do it, I'm really good at it, and it's more efficient than even scribble, and more natural than dictation for me, and I love it. I can't imagine it on a smaller than forty-five millimeter screen, unless you've got like stylus fingers. But, and I've got like pretty, I don't know, like piano fingers. But anyway, um, you have to get some sandpaper to grain, <laughs> to wind down the, uh, where, the tips of your fingers. Where it falls down reference. for me. Yeah, I know. Where it falls down for me is when I want to do a number and I'm just like a, going from number, uh, letters to numbers. I fail enough that it becomes inconvenient for me and then I'm frustrated. So, uh, hmm, yeah, yeah. I, anyway. Carry I on. think it's cool that we're getting the start of some leaks and rumor cycle for iOS and watchOS and stuff, and hopefully there'll be a bit more of that as we get closer to WWDC in June. Finally this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by ZocDoc. No one knows what you are looking for in a doctor better than you, but ZocDoc is the place to go for all the tools that you need to find that perfect doctor. The creators of ZocDoc found all the things that weren't working in the healthcare process, and they said, let's fix it. ZocDoc makes booking a great doctor surprisingly pain-free. It's a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Go to ZocDoc.com slash happy hour to get the app and sign up for free. You can instantly read up on doctors in your area and see what real humans had to say about their visit with verified patient reviews. Just go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and select whether you want to see the doctor in person or via a video visit. And that's it. You're instantly booked in. You don't need to wait on hold with a receptionist ever again. And you can be sure that the doctor you've chosen takes your insurance. ZocDoc spans the gamut of doctor services with thousands of providers listed in just one app. Whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, a dermatologist, a psychiatrist, or some other kind of specialist, ZocDoc has got you covered. Find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. The ZocDoc app has a super clean and simple design, so booking in for an appointment is just as easy as adding an event to your calendar. Every month, millions of people are using ZocDoc. In a chaotic world of healthcare, ZocDoc is your trusted guide to finding a quality doctor. So go to ZocDoc.com slash happy hour 
and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. Once again, that's ZocDoc.com slash happy hour, spelt Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash happy hour. Thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring the show. All right, man. Last week we talked about Friday Night Baseball, which hadn't happened yet. This is on Apple TV Plus, uh, MLB. And uh, since we last spoke, it has happened. And you, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, 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 what are your thoughts on, I know, I know you're passionate about this kind of thing, about baseball. What, what are your yeah, thoughts? I love sports. All yeah. sports are my favorite thing ever. Um, so I watched the start of the Friday Night Baseball stream when the actual game began. I gave it like two minutes, then I gave up because I don't actually care about the boring sports part. I was just interested to see how Apple would approach the first debut of like live sports of their own, um, of their own branding at least. Clearly... This stream, Friday Night Baseball, is like a white-labeled version of an MLB product, right? So the MLB network makes shows uh, or streams or broadcasts and, and acts as a production company for loads of companies. Uh, that the, the offering for Friday Night Baseball is much closer to something offered by MLB network than it is something wholly Apple-designed and Apple-created, right? And maybe over time, they will dabble more and be a bit more... Um, inventive or ambitious and run this stuff all themselves but as it stands right now you could very clearly see this was an mlb production with some nice apple graphics so you had like all the on-screen ui was all set in the san francisco typeface and it was all nice like black and white layouts i don't know if mlb or apple actually designed all the little graphics on screen but apple clearly had input on what they should look like but that was like it right you had a very high stream quality I don't think it was 4K, but it felt like, you know, high bitrate 1080p, really, really high uh, high quality live sports streaming. But that's what it was. It was just a plain video at the end of the day. It was, you know, streaming video. And it was MLB presenters in a production studio, like in a studio set that felt a bit cheap and a bit like, mm, it, didn't, it didn't have that Apple sheen to it, right? Like, that was my takeaway. It was like a very run-of-the-mill, here's some live sports, we're giving you with some via some you know CDNs and some nice cameras that we paid for, but otherwise it was basically undi- indifferent to any other sports broadcast on any, on any other network. Maybe featuring hosts that the people that actually do care about baseball weren't familiar with because I know they haven't gone for like top names. They've gone for some newer talent and stuff, which is fine or whatever. And I, there was some criticism i know that like people didn't like the announcers or they didn't have good chemistry it's week one they hadn't done it before i'm sure that'll get better over time but just from like the technical side the stream didn't really crash or anything i think it went down like once and so uh, it was pretty good the quality was good it's kind of unfortunate that the apple tv streaming doesn't support live pausing and rewind so if you join the stream late you couldn't watch it like you couldn't start from the beginning of the game; you just have to watch live. There wasn't any integration in terms of like fancy, like overlays or anything, or like user customability, user customization, user interaction. So, like when you're using Fitness Plus, you can get some options to decide what metrics you want to see on the screen. Whether you want to see your activity rings, whether you want to see something else. For the Friday Night Baseball stream, they had stats and stuff on the screen, but it was burned into the video. There was no customization. There was no flexibility. It just felt like you're watching a live video. Uh, and in the UK, uh, the, there's no on-demand. So because of like licensing and rights, in the US and Canada, you get on-demand. You get all sorts of other content from MLB as well in the TV app. Uh, but in like the other seven countries where it's available, 
you only get to see the live broadcast, so there's not even an option for on-demand. So that's where no live pausing or rewinding is even more critical. Um, and frankly, most of the games happen at like midnight in the UK. So even if I did care about baseball, I'm not sure I'd be staying up to 3am to watch them, or even later in some cases. The biggest issue, I would say, and the biggest surprise, is that the Friday Night Baseball stream had ads. And not just like ads of Apple products or ads of Apple TV Plus shows. It was like the most generic, bottom-of-the-barrel rubbish ads that you would expect from like like commercials in the very sense of the word. And I feel like it's such a a kind of betrayal of like the TV Plus brand because you know you the Apple TV Plus service is all about premium. You pay for it, no ads, no commercials, you're getting top names, you're getting 4K HDR, you're getting, you know, celebrities that you recognize in all of the content pretty much. Like they're going for premium top-tier stuff. And then you tune in for this baseball game and you were like greeted with a betting ad and then you were greeted with like an NFT ad and then you were greeted with some other rubbish then there was like an ad slow horses the FT plus show then you were back to the game and like it just felt a pretty big step down or a, like it they could have if they wanted if they were going this route I feel like they shouldn't have called it Apple TV plus Friday Night Baseball they should have called it like Apple Sports Friday Night Baseball or something just because I feel like it if your first inter- experience with the Apple TV Plus subscription was the baseball stuff, you're probably going to have a lesser idea about what the rest of the content's like. Like, I'd prefer if they didn't have any ads at all, especially as this is like oh, soon only going to be available when you pay five dollars a month. Like, but you've got ads, okay? You, and they're they're not just ads from Apple. They're not just ads from like super high premium brands. It's just like whoever paid money to see it. So you've got crypto ads, you've got NFT ads, you've got gambling ads, you've got betting ads. And like the whole the whole show, like the whole studio segment was sponsored by this like BetMGM company, which is a betting site. Like an Apple branded broadcast and, and sports betting doesn't, doesn't leave a good taste in my mouth. Let me say that. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, oh, and, in, I, and one other thing, sorry. In the UK, they obviously hadn't paid for the ads to show in the UK, only in the US stream. So what happened in the UK was you'd see about half a second of the ad break and then it would just immediately snap to a Be Right Back static card. So it'd be like, this this is the is like a, a an ad from like Q and it would be like, and here is Q, oh, a Be Right Back. And then it would just have like placeholder music for three minutes before the stream came back. So Q like, being the number one trusted COVID test <laughs> by the MLB. That's what I learned from this. Like, ideally, I have no ads at all. But if it does have to have ads, just make them good ads. You know, like uh, maybe maybe, maybe maybe it'll. I mean, that's that's an that's an MLB network thing, I guess. And maybe it'll be a factor when it is behind the paywall. Though I don't think that's. <laughs> it's probably all. Part, it's probably all baked in right now. Is it's all part of the deal? The paywall. There's an interview. Um, I think it was LA Times today that had the chief revenue officer from the MLB talk about it and about the the arrangement and he seemed to think that you know what's appealing to them was that apple's just putting baseball out there for free and then the interviewer is like the reporter is like yeah well they're gonna paywall it you know in a few weeks and he's like yeah maybe he's <laughs> like no they are that's what they're that's what they're doing um but which was kind of kind of weird to me but um no i i would i watched a little bit of the of the live stuff just i was in line for a movie that overlapped with both of the games and so I pulled out my phone in line for concessions and, and looked at the, you know, okay, it works. My phone, that's pretty cool. Um, and then I went back the next day and rewatched the full game, which of course, because it was on demand in, in the US, 
there there weren't the ads. You know, it would just go from the end of an inning to the next inning. You know, um, which you know, if you watch that way, it's pretty good. Uh, one thing I think, you know, the, the quality of the ads and everything, like, there's, I think that's always going to be disputed. Um, you, the the NFT ads, the gambling ads, like I, you know, it's what you see in a Super Bowl. Like it's what you, you're, you're, it's what sells. You, you know, there is a line that they are drawing. There's not, there, there could be way worse. It's not so disfaced. I mean, the MGM Sports app, I think, is on the App Store, right? Like this, it's not totally uh, bizarre, but um, you know, one thing I do think is that you know, if you're there in person, things do happen <laughs> in between innings, like. You know, and even if you don't have the people talking, like just having the video, even like picture in picture or something of of the field, that would that would feel more you know immersive and live than um than what they're doing now. And there's so much opportunity on the tech side of like how to make it interactive and you know take advantage of the fact that everything that you're streaming this on is a smart device, whether it's a phone, an iPad, a Mac, um, you know, a smart TV box or game console or you know something with a with, that can be interactive. Um, of course, you're not going to have all that on, on the first game, but there's a lot of opportunity here. Um, and they at least didn't fall flat on their face. <laughs> you know, they they did deliver on the first week, and I don't know. I, I wouldn't expect to see anything major before you know now in the end of baseball season, but maybe they'll iterate. But I can definitely see them that like this is totally a test. You know, they'll take lessons learned here for. If they ever do score, you know, some football NFL games and things like that, like which they're definitely going to try and get. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Yeah, I'd say overall it's not bad for a first attempt. But if they want to go, f- if they want to meet the like the premiumness that the Apple TV Plus like TV shows and original movie side offers, they need to do, they need to do a bit more in terms of experience, in terms of interactivity, even like live pausing and starting from the beginning of the game is such like a a bare bones feature. Um, yeah, and then, you want to at least hit like the basic TV features. And so many, yeah. you know, if you watch on TV, you can, you, so many times you can pause and record. Yeah. And then also like showing the full schedules or like switching, but making it easier to switch between games if they're two going on at once. You know, like there's all sorts of UI stuff they can build out. But just in terms of this like individual stream, the ads were the biggest, the most offensive things to me because it felt pretty yucky. And I agree with you. This is probably how it's going to be for the entire season. And then the only, the, the next opportunity for them to like, fix it or improve it will be next year and i believe the details of the mlb deal leaked out so it's like 87 million apple pays like 80 million a year uh, and they've currently got like a they're, they're they're contracted in for two years and they have an option to extend up to eight years so basically as long as apple's happy with it they can have an eight-year window of getting thrown at baseball and mlb so assuming they get enough viewership they're going to carry this on you know through the end of the decade at least so and then they're going to add on NFL and all sorts of other stuff for sure, but not bad for a first for a first outing, but definitely work to be done. Yep. Uh, and then a couple more things on the TV Plus side. Uh, Severance had the finale last week. A uh, lot, lot of Twitter buzz. A lot of, re- lot of people really, really liked what they people saw. People really loved it on Twitter. Yeah. Like, yeah Sever- this is the best thing I've ever seen. Severance the- is having his moment, and I think it's because the finale, like the last, no spoilers, but they showed the iPhone 14. Like that was the finale. <laughs> they actually showed the next 10 years of iphones and that's why people loved it so much um <laughs> it, don't get me wrong I, I like severance i like the whole season but i wouldn't call it the ending like the best thing i've ever seen like it was good but it, it leaves you wanting more and i can't wait for season two but i wouldn't like that single episode was not gonna like satiate my my lust to be like that is the best episode of television television i've ever seen 
it's it's good clever smart tv i like it um yeah for sure it's 100 yeah. percent good like yeah, yeah. severance is great and it's breaking out it seems to be pretty popular like it's got to be up there now we're like the top it's got to be in the top five of all tv plus content now in terms of like general audience popularity and it's likely to get some emmy awards attention as well later in the year mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think it already like the nominations league <laughs> variety had an exclusive on the innings and outies of award season like <laughs> what apple yeah they, they basically had the what what categories Apple's going to submit each actor in. Yeah. So like who's going to get the get a chance to be nominated for lead and who's going to be supporting and stuff. So, cause, cause the, the, I, th- I think the deadline's actually pretty soon. Like the, the Emmy's ceremony isn't until like July, August, September time, but I believe that the eligibility period ends in May. So that's what you call inside baseball right there. Yeah. They don't, have, they don't have much longer to actually get stuff out. Yeah. So. And then uh, last on the TV plus side, Robin kind had a, very much teaser announcement for the release date for the first episode of season three, which is June 10th. So the end of WWDC, we'll, we'll get to wrap all that up with an episode of From Mankind season three. Uh, they tease that this season is taking place in the mid nineties, 1995. They show um, a Mars landing. That was of course the, you know, the, the, the teaser for the, the next season at the end of season two. Um, I kind of like the way they, they seem to show it as like this is just the beginning and made me hope that maybe it isn't just this is all the process of getting to Mars and how we did it in this alternative history timeline, but that this is where we began and then it goes from there because I, I like that idea. Like they they do the pacing of this, if, if you know, seems like they're, if they're going to go into the future, they're going to they're going to. I don't know. I, I would like season three. I'm gonna like it no matter what, probably. But if if it's like we we begin, we we get to Mars and then go from there. I think it's more interesting than here is how we got to Mars and this alternative timeline. You know, the teaser definitely set it up to be like we're already on Mars. Let's go. You know, yeah, yeah which but is pretty good at their time jump. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, and, it's, and it, it even says like Mars 1995. So yeah, I would be disappointed if there's like a five years before that where they're like working out how we got there and stuff because. That kind of machination probably isn't very interesting. Like the cool stuff is setting up a base on Mars itself, right? But- and, and I think like so many of the shows, especially in the sci-fi world, like you could see it being like, okay, Mars is the end goal, like that's it. Whereas uh, with Fall Mankind, it's so the timeline jumps so much that they it, it's quite normal for them to be like, okay, this is you know point, point one point is we're on Mars. What, what comes next now? So yeah, and from a practical perspective, some other shows would need to like hold off Mars to the end just because of the budgetary concerns. But you know, sure. in this case, Apple will give you the money. They can afford to have CGI on Mars for every single episode if that's how the writing goes. And so, but it, whatever they choose, I, I love For All Mankind. Can't wait for it to come back. Yep. And the NASA administrator on For All Mankind season two is joining Ted Lasso season three, right? Like, yes, yes. Like casting there. Maybe, well, hopefully it doesn't mean For All Mankind's ending. Well, For All Mankind's got like, Lots and lots. I, I think it just means that 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 character, so that, that, you know, they're going to do a time jump. Like, true, that character jump. might not be around anymore. Right. Like, yeah. Many of the characters. That's why they have like the younger generations in each season. You know. I mean, Ed Baldwin in season two was already stretching, looking old. I think. Like, yeah. yeah. So maybe they're. Uh, yeah. I mean, no spoilers of it's at this point, but like there are a couple of prominent cast members from the second season who are not going to be in this. Yeah, they're definitely season. gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it for mankind. Yeah. In June. I can't think of any crossover though, where there's like one prominent star of one show on TV plus that appears in another, you know, and 
Um, what's what's uh, what's um Keely's name in uh yeah. Ted Lasso? Yeah, Juno Temple. Uh huh. She is in four TV Plus projects at the moment. Oh, cool. She's in Palmer, the the Timberlake film. She's in Mr. Corman for an episode, and she's in something else I can't remember, as well as Ted Lasso. Yeah. I think she currently holds the record for most appearances in different TV Plus stuff. Pretty good. The uh, uh, going back to something we mentioned before, the uh, um, Tiffany Haddish, you know, mm-hmm. from After Party. Yeah, and then and then who's the character who's not Mark Wahlberg but looks like him in After Party? I don't know his name. Oh, I can't remember his but name, but I know you mean. But they're yeah. both they're both in the Nicolas Cage movie. I've seen the, I've, I keep going to the movies like to the theaters and seeing different movies, and I keep seeing the trailer for the Nicolas Cage like the unbearable talent of Nicolas Cage, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and she's got a big role in it, and then he's like in the movie as well. And and so I'm like, oh, those are the people from After Party. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Yep. All right, that is the happy hour podcast for this week if you enjoy the show please uh let people know we appreciate that you can subscribe uh for the ad-free version on apple podcast we really appreciate that as well if you have any feedback for the show you can email benjamin and i together at happy hour at 905mac.com i'm on twitter at apollo zach benjamin you're on twitter at bz man hi everybody